Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. So we are in this series as we've been thinking about this 2020 vision and this series that we've been through, we've entitled it Table Talk. And, and what we've been doing is primarily going through the book of, of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And we've been looking at different meals that Jesus has with different people. And we've learned the heart of Jesus. We're seeing the things that he wants us to know to take home the things that are important. But today, we're going to look at what is the greatest meal of them all. It's the greatest meal. You, you might ask, and I actually had some people text me today asking me, Pastor Travis, what is the greatest meal? I did not text them back because I thought they need to come to the service, right? I didn't know, you know. You want me to give you the points too? I don't know. But um, the greatest meal is what we call or is called the Messianic Banquet. We're talking about the great banquet provided for the resurrection of the righteous. We're talking about a heavenly celebration. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about the eternal kingdom. We're talking about resurrected life. It's the greatest meal. It is a future meal. And it is a meal that every one of us desires to be at. And that is the meal that Jesus is going to talk about tonight. And we're going to study really word by word because we want to understand what Jesus would have us know about this great meal. And so we're just going to unpack it. Luke 4, 14, starting in verse 12. So before we actually get to it, let me set up what's going on. Let me get up the context. Let me let you know what's going on previous to Jesus talking about this greatest meal. What's happened is uh, Jesus has been invited once again to have a Sabbath dinner at the home of a really prominent Pharisee. We know he's a prominent Pharisee because the text says that he was a ruler of the Pharisees. He is at the top of the social ladder. So this is a really big dinner where only the religious, the top religious leaders would be at. So immediately, I think the question would be, well, why did they invite Jesus? Like, these guys don't like Jesus. They don't have any respect for Jesus at all. They don't think he's a religious leader of any sort at all. Why would they invite him. Well, the text says, right before our text, it says, they were watching him carefully. It's a setup, man. It's a setup. They invited Jesus to this dinner because they've got a trap planned. You see, they've got a a man who needs to be healed conveniently nearby, and their plan is to try to trick Jesus into healing this man And if Jesus does indeed heal this man on the Sabbath, it will prove once and for all to everyone there in front of them that he is not from God, because if he was from God, why in the world would he break the Sabbath and heal a man? So they spring the trap, and our great Savior heals the man on the Sabbath, and they're all astonished. But then Jesus turns the tables on them. He says this to them. He says, who of you, basically, I'm paraphrasing, If you had an ox that fell in a ditch on the Sabbath, who of you would not get the ox out for money's sake? 
Or if you had a son that fell in a ditch, who would not, for the love of your son, get him out of that ditch? And so Jesus turns the tables. And then Jesus goes on to talk to them about humility, that those who um, will be at the feast, those who are born again, those who, who love God will have humility. They will be the greatest of them all. And so that's just kind of happened. The healing has occurred. Jesus has turned the table on them. And now we're going to get to our text. Because now in our text, Jesus connects this humility to this messianic meal, the greatest meal of all. And what Jesus is going to do as he walks through this is he is going to divide, divide people into four distinct groups. And, and you and I today, we're going to walk through these four distinct groups because we want to understand this greatest of meals that we all desire to be at. So let's do this. And that's what's just happened. We got a meal. It was a setup. Jesus, I say, fell in the trap. He knew it was there all along. But Jesus healed. They got upset. Jesus talks about humility. And now he's going to talk about the greatest meal. First group that he's going to look at is those who are invited. Those who are invited. Now, they're still at the table. And you just tell this guy, verse 12, it begins. He, that is Jesus, said also to the man who invited him. Now, that would have been the, Pharise- the ruler of the Pharisees. That's the guy you know, at the head of the table. It's his party. When you give a dinner or a banquet... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at, here it is, the resurrection of the just. That's the banquet. That's the messianic banquet. Now, there's something I do want to clarify about this and kind of unpack a few other details on this text here. The first thing I do want to clarify for us is this text is not prohibiting us completely from inviting friends, brothers, or relatives to dinner. Like, Jesus is not saying you can never eat with a friend, and Jesus is not saying you can never eat with a brother or a relative. Jesus is saying, do not only invite your friends and your brothers and your Relatives, Do not only invite people who can repay you back. Do not do that exclusively. Because here's what these guys were doing. Here's the system that was set up at that time. When you had a banquet, you would only invite the people that would invite you to another banquet. They had devised this kind of, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of scheme. You Exalt me, I'll exalt you, and together we'll climb the social ladder. It's kind of like currency, almost like a a social currency. Every invitation had strings attached to it. You invite someone, and they're going to invite you back. It would be reciprocated, and you could just keep climbing up this social ladder by attending meals and by giving meals. So that's what's going on here. That's what these guys are doing. But I want us to notice this. Notice Jesus says, I don't want you doing that. The question is why? Why would Jesus say that? Or better yet, why would they even care? Why would they desire to stop being exclusive? 
Why would they want to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind? They do that. Their whole social system is going to collapse. This whole wicked scheme will have no value at all. Well, Jesus tells them in the text. He says, this is why you should not do that, because if you do not, if you stop doing that, Jesus says, you will be blessed. There is a blessing to be found if you invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. But it's not just any blessing. It's a specific blessing. He says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. That got their attention. You see, these guys were into the resurrection of the just. It was a really big deal to them. In fact, they had this whole elaborate system in place, guaranteed them in their mind, guaranteeing them in their minds that they would be at the head of the table at this great banquet. So that's what's going on there. That's kind of the setup. Now we're about to get to verse 15. But before we get to verse 15, I just want to say, verse 15 kind of brings on an awkward situation. It's just some awkwardness. You see, as soon as Jesus says these things, some guy, it appears, I'm going to read it, and as I read it, you're going to, you can picture this. A guy seems to pick up, it doesn't say he picks up a cup, but this is my imagination. He gives a toast, right? He gives a toast. Here it is, verse 15, Jesus just said this, and some guy at the table gives this toast When one of those who reclined at the table with them heard these things, here it is, he said to him, here's the toast, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now that's a little awkward. Now it is awkward. It's awkward because I don't know who this guy is, but clearly he does not understand what Jesus is saying. He does not get it because Jesus had basically said, check it out, thinking through this, Jesus basically said, all you guys sitting around this table, ain't none of you making it to the resurrection, the messianic resurrection. And then this guy goes, amen. It's a little awkward. It's a little awkward. <laughs> and, and I don't know what's going through Jesus' head, but clearly he's thinking, well, these guys don't get it. I'm talking about you, man. I'm ta- I just said you're not going. You'd no need for you to raise a goblet and say amen to that, right? So I guess going through Jesus' mind is, I've got to explain this better. And he does. And he does it through a parable. And he begins, once again, by looking at those who are invited. Seeing this guy who clearly didn't get what Jesus was saying, Jesus flows straight into a parable to expound upon what he's trying to tell them. Here we go. But he, verse 16, that's Jesus said to him, and I'm guessing that him is directed towards the same him as you're reading through the text who had just said that awkward thing. A man once gave a banquet and invited many. All right, that's the beginning of the parable. Um, as soon as he said that, they would have all understood this parable, a banquet. They love the banquets. And I want us to check out two key words here, great and many, because that's the words that they're going to grab a hold of, right? The picture is of a huge event, all right? The picture is of a wealthy man. That's what's pictured here, a very wealthy man giving a really large banquet. So once again, all of a sudden, he's got everyone's attention 
Jesus is speaking their language. This is an event that everyone at that table would have wanted to be invited to. Got their attention? Verse 17. And at the time for the banquet, he, that's the master of the house, sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. The banquet is now ready. I want to talk about this a moment because this may be lost on us a bit. Here's what's going on here. Here's what's going on. Back in the day, when you were going to have a big banquet, you would send out two invitations, all right? You didn't have no email. You couldn't be Facebooking people. You know, you couldn't be sending, you know, the mail system. So they would do this. They would have two invitations, okay? The first invitation, the person who was going to have the banquet would write these elaborate cards, especially if it's an elaborate blank banquet like this one. And he would address those cards to the specific people that he wanted to attend that banquet. And then they would go throughout the city, the servant, and deliver those invitation cards. Now, those invitation cards were kind of like a save the date, but it didn't give a date. It basically said, soon, in a matter of days or time, so-and-so is going to have this elaborate banquet, and you have been invited to it, and we are going to follow this up with a second invitation once everything has been prepared. Because once again, back in the day, you couldn't go to the grocery store and buy stuff. You literally had to get your goats and your cows. You had to kill them and do everything, prepare the meal. It took some time. So when they received the first letter, the recipients would have known it was from a wealthy man, and they would have known about this banquet, and they would have been excited They would have been eagerly anticipating the banquet. Then once the master of the house had completely prepared this extravagant banquet, he would then send his servant out a second time to all the people he had sent them to the first time and said, say, the banquet is ready. You can now come. That's what's going on here. That's where we're at. When he says sending the second time, the first invitation has already been sent. And by the way, the implication is they all agreed to come. If they had not agreed to come, there would have been no need to send a second invitation. You only send a second invitation if the first invitation had been agreed to come to. And so that's what's going on. First invitation been sent out. Now the second invitation goes out. That's That's the first group of people. Starting in verse 18, we're going to look at a second group of people. The second group of people are those who make excuses. It's about to get really bizarre up in here. Something really strange is about to happen in this parable. Something that's unheard of. Something that is absolutely absurd. Now, we don't know from Scripture, it never says that Jesus told any jokes Um, We know he cried. We don't know if he told any jokes, but I am telling you, when the people at the table sitting with Jesus heard this, they must have thought it a little humorous because it is so unbelievable. Verse 18, the second invitation has gone out. Check it out. But they all, come on, you can circle that in your Bible because it is really a powerful word, alike, began to make excuses the first said to him I have bought a field and I must go out and see it please give me please have me excused 
And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. You read that, and you're like, what? What, what, What's going on here? This is absolutely unheard of to receive excuses, all of them. And I am quite certain everyone sitting at that table with Jesus at that meal that he was at when they heard this, they were like, I can't believe this. This is ridiculous. Nobody would do this. This is a joke. It is outrageous. It is unacceptable. That would never happen. In fact, in the ancient Near Eastern traditions, oftentimes, if you would not come to a banquet that you had been invited to, it was a declaration of war. In other words, if you invite someone to your house to a banquet, they're saying, I want to be your friend. If they refuse to come, they are saying, I desire not to be your friend. It is a declaration of war. And the Pharisees and the the people, the Pharisees and the scribes sitting there must have looked at each other and said, Jesus, this is absurd. Absurd. This would never happen. This would never happen. Not let alone everybody. There's three excuses. I want to look at them because um, (laughs) I call them three lame excuses. And the reason why I want to look at them it's because I still hear them today. Let's look at these. Let's look at these lame excuses. First one I call a, pas- a possessions excuse. A possessions excuse. Hey, I love my stuff more than the banquet. He goes, the first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go see it. Please have me excused. Like my stuff. Hey, here's a, who in the world purchases land without ever looking at it. It's in his city, right? What you gonna do, man? You're going to look at dirt. Where you think it's going to go? Will it not be there tomorrow? Dirt over the banquet. It's absurd. The next one is what I call a money excuse, right? I like my money. Look at it. Another said, I have bought five yokes of, yoke of auction. Real quick, let you know, this man's got some cash. He's got cash. It's in the text. Five yoke of auction are only bought by wealthy men. And I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Once again, what in the world are you talking about? Who in the world lays down that kind of money on five ox of, yoke, yoke, of, of oxen and you've never seen them? Who spends that kind of money sight unseen? And once again, the same argument as before. How come you cannot do this tomorrow? Why can this not be delayed? It's ridiculous. Don't know how some man got so wealthy buying so much stuff sight unseen. It's lame. Last guy makes the lamest excuse of them all, I think. A family excuse. He has elevated his family to an unhealthy position. And another said, I have married a wife and 
I'm not going to stick on this, but we could talk about it. But you can circle that word, therefore, I cannot come. The implication is, he's, blank, he's throwing his wife under the bus, right? It's her fault. Because therefore indicates the reason that I'm not coming is because of what I've just said that has caused me to do something that I would not otherwise do. Therefore, I cannot do it. That is absurd. It's absurd. Ridiculous. Once again, as I've already said, as absurd as they are, we hear them today. We do. Jesus has offered the kingdom a perpetual feast of peace, peace, a feast of rest, a feast of victory over self, a feast over controlling our, our passion, supremacy of our circumstances, a feast of joy, a feast of tranquility, a feast of deathlessness. He has offered us all satisfying joy, but time and time again, I see people choose trinkets over an all-satisfying God. And the crazy thing, the most ridiculous thing of it all is Jesus' parable does not demean our stuff or our possessions. Like Jesus is saying, these are, these are legitimate things. You certainly ought to check on your land. And you should examine your oxen. And you should take care of your loved ones. In fact, the man who lives upon the feast of Christ is more fit to enjoy those things than the man who has elevated the creation above the creator. But once again, we see it. We see it. We see it then. We see it now. If our possessions and our affections are to be preferred more than Christ, it's absurd, and our souls are in danger. The real reason these men, these people, refused the invitation, they didn't want to go. They didn't want to go. It is an indictment upon their heart. And so I can talk to people that I love and I care about and invite them to church or whatever, and and they give me um, the lamest of excuses, and they say all sorts of things. Sometimes I feel a need to defend the church or Christ or his people. And sometimes I do, hopefully in a loving way. But ultimately, that excuse is an indictment upon their heart. They, they don't want to go. They don't want to go. They don't want to go. But now we got a problem, guys. we got a problem. we got a feast. we got nobody coming. What are we going to do? We're going to get to the third group of people. Those who are included. Verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. i got to stop there and say this. The master got a really big house. You know what else? (laughs) This reminds me of that song, Big House. I'm not going to sing, Alan. Don't worry. <laughs> you got a big house. There's no shortage of rooms, man. Verse 23, And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Okay. 
Let me check this out. So the ser- we got to pay attention to this. So the servant comes back and reports to the master what these invitees had all refused to come. And then you see that um, the master gets angry. What I want us to see is this is a just anger, right? No one's going to say to the master, you are unfairly angry. You have no right to be angry. You have an irrational anger. No one is going to accuse the master of having unmerited anger. It's just anger. He has a reason to be angry. He's put forth tremendous effort, tremendous work, tremendous expense, tremendous generosity and kindness that has been returned with disdain. And the interesting thing, I think of that whole text to me theologically are the last six words. You can underline them because why? Why is he angry? Why does he want these people? It says last six words. words. He, that's the master. Look what he desires. He desires. He longed for. He wants for his house to be full. That's what he desires. And church, don't be misled. Here's the deal. The party's going to happen. The preparations have been made. This event will not be canceled. Every seat will be filled. But now it's going to be filled with the most unlikely of people. And I want to look at this briefly because I think it speaks tremendously into the heart of Jesus. And I think it speaks tremendously to missions. Two groups of people. He divides them into two groups of people. First group of people are people who live in the city. Listen, by the way, and you guys know this, there's no accidental words in the Bible. If the master in this story has divided into two groups of people, there's a reason for it, and I think we need to study it briefly, the people who live in the city. The first group is the people who live nearby, okay? He's saying, go to those who live nearby. He goes, go quick to the streets and the lanes of the city, and that's the city they live in, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. These are the street people, crippled, blind, lame. We're talking about beggars. We're talking about outcasts. We're talking about in the slums and in the shanties. All right? That's those that are nearby. Now, the servant does that, and evidently he does that, and there are still seats remaining. And the master says, well, there's a second group as well. And those are people who live outside the city. That's those who are far off. And there's some really key words that we could spend a lot of time on here. We don't have time tonight. But I want to show you a bit. It says, And the master said to the servant, Go to the highways and the hedges and compel. That's the word that I'd love to spend more time on. compel, Compel. You can circle it. People to come in that my house may be filled. Who are these people? Highway people. They live in brothels, they live in inns, the roadhouse, and the sides of the street. They may not speak your language or know your culture. They are difficult to reach. How do I know they're difficult to reach? One main reason, several sub-reasons. The main reason is this, this word, compel. There's work involved. There's an effort required. The cost may be higher. They are scattered farther Anyway, the house, the party that this master has prepared, it's going to be full. Every seat's going to be taken. You go near, you go far. Nonetheless, you do it. 
You do it, it is work, and it is good work, and it is God-glorifying work, and you find joy in doing God's work. Final group. It's the group that none of us want to be in. Those who are excluded. For I tell you, that's Jesus, is saying this, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. There's a lot of interesting things going on here. I want to briefly, before I unpack it, I didn't have enough time, but this is really beautiful. Um, Circle that word, my. It's, It's interesting, because it could be that Jesus is saying, speaking for the master of the house, and shall taste my banquet, or as Jesus is talking, I believe he's looking at them and saying, none of you will be invited to my banquet. There's a twist, there's a turn, there's some weight on that word, my. Even the Greek, you're getting this really heavy sense that something profound has just been revealed. You see, they, the people sitting at that table that day, were the original invitees. They were originally invited. But not one of them is going to be admitted to the messianic meal unless they respond in repentance. You see, everyone in that room and at that table that Jesus was sitting at, they were lost, except for Jesus. They were all lost. The custodians of the law, the leaders of Israel were doomed to judgment. Here's what I want you guys to see. You see, they had received two invitations. What do you mean? Where was the first invitation that they received? Well, it's called the Old Testament. The prophets and the law and the writings. The Pentateuch. They had that first invitation. They read that first invitation. You know what they said? Yes! Not only do we want to be at the banquet, we want to sit at the head of the table at the banquet. We will be at that banquet. Then the second invitation comes. Comes by the second person in the Trinity, the servant. Jesus. And they would have no part of it. Did not come how they thought. They would have no part of it. You see, it's them. They actually loved their oxen and their homes and their loved ones more than God. They actually preferred their possessions and affections to heaven. They loved the world first. And that is what Jesus is saying specifically to them. Oh, church, there will be a messianic banquet. There will be a banquet for the resurrected in the house of God. And I pray that none of us would miss the second invitation. It is Jesus. It cost him everything to prepare it. Pain, tears, flesh, and blood. And now he has come and he says, come and drink the blood, shed and eat the bread. It has cost him everything. The question is, have you taken that invitation? Have you received that invitation? 
And here is the deal that I hope and pray is not lost on anyone here as far as this banquet is concerned in this church. We will go near. We as a church, we will go to the poor, we will go to the crippled, we'll go to the blind, and we will go to the lame in the city and outside the city. We will leverage everything we have. And we will, and I pray that we are, by the grace of God, compelling the people to come so that our Father's house will be full. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.